Our podcast, Sync, the conversation, offers a digital window into the unique engagement experience that is the Sync community. Quality networking, genuine relationship, and in-depth discussion. You'll hear directly from your peers, IT industry experts, leaders, and thinkers, and learn firsthand about crucial insights reimagining the future, new strategies informing data-driven risk, and key relationships expanding the bounds of what's possible. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to episode number eight of Sync the Conversation. Um, I'm your host, Sean Navarro, and today I have a really special guest with us. I have Gina Bennett, the Senior Director of Advancement Technology at Morehouse College, um, also the Chief Product Officer at Construction Check. Um, Gina, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. You know, are you feeling any better? I know we were both a little under the weather last week. Feeling much better. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. It's always a pleasure to talk to, talk to you and talk about technology with Sync. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, let's let's start there. Um, that title, you know, Senior Director of Advancement Technology at, at Morehouse. Um, kind of give us a little insight into into your, your day job. Um, so for my day job, basically, Morehouse College, historically black um, college and university, has been in, in uh, business since 1867, um, 155 years old. We are, um, I work in the advancement arm of Morehouse, and we have kicked off a half a billion dollar capital campaign in Pacific um, That needs technology to manage. Um, anybody okay. in any kind of fundraising knows that you know it's, it's basically the sales job, and you're doing CRMs. And I manage Salesforce, and I manage Marketing Cloud, and I manage um, you know uh, Mongoose text messaging, and all the different ways that we interact with um, our donors and our alumni to help raise that money. Um, And then, of course, all the processing, proposals, and all of that thing. So a lot of technology involved in making, um, you know, um, those campaigns uh, actually come to fruition. Wow. How exciting. Yeah. well, thanks for sharing that. And and you are someone who's newer to to sync programs. Um, you know, we have some executives who've been with us since our inception. You know, six or seven years ago. Um, but let me ask you. You know, how how did you hear about sync? And and you know, what do you like about our programs? Um, well, I got invited to an executive roundtable um, um, some time ago, yeah. and it was. Um, you know, it was a great dinner. I was amazed at um, a lot of the people that I met. It was very different than a lot of those um, roundtables that I've been. Because usually when I go to these things, it's uh, it's more of a, uh, okay, here's a free meal. Let us pitch your product. Yeah. And the thing I really like about Sync and the reason why I've gotten more involved in it is because it really does foster um networking and collaboration among leaders in our respective IT fields. And it's, you know, as my my specialty is business process engineering, being able to talk to other leaders from different industries. I mean, I met the, you know, the, the CIO for um, the Atlanta HUD office, and I met the CIO for CBRE, and 
just yeah. being able to talk in, in other universities, Tennessee State University um, up in uh, um, in Tennessee mm-hmm. was um, another historically black college that I'd never heard mm-hmm. of before. And we were able to collaborate and talk about like different ways that we're handling, you know, our, our advancement solutions. Um, so, you know, having those kind of conversations with that are, you know, not a, not a sales pitch, but really a, you know, an opportunity to collaborate was yeah. one of the things that drew me. And, you know, on the flip side, in hearing about technologies in that way, it was a lot easier for me to say, hey, you know, that's something I would like to try here at Morehouse, or that's something that I would like to try out with construction check. And I was able to bring some solutions um, into Morehouse from that experience, um, particularly with, um, you know, uh, Boomi was an integration tool that I learned about through Sync. And we are, you know, um, implementing it here. And there were a couple of other tools that, um, like MicroFocus had a um, testing tool that, um, unified testing tool that I really liked and I got a bid for, but I didn't get the budget this year, but it's definitely on my roadmap for next year. So just being able to have an opportunity to learn about new and, and, and really cutting edge technologies from the people who have implemented them and then being able to follow up with a vendor who can give me more information is just a really um, unique way of presenting these types of things that I haven't seen anywhere else. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and thank you for those kind words. Um, I think you and I, we first connected before our uh, our Miami forum, so our Southeast forum back in, in early March. Um, and Oh, yeah, that was amazing. That was an amazing event. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, and and I'll tell you what, just after two years of being in the virtual environment, it's just so refreshing to see these people face to face. And um, you know, I was going to bring up just you know, the, yeah, that you know, we after that that conversation, you know, at at the Miami event, I needed to have you present on on a topic, and we just serendipitously had our sled, which is you know, state, local, and education. It was our virtual forum. Um, in which you presented on the, the, the topic of paradigm shift, you know, bringing your people with you on your transformation journey. Um, if you wouldn't mind, and, and I don't want to give too much away, but I also feel like it would be nice for the audience to get like a, a brief Cliff Notes version of just, you know, what you presented on, because I think it was a topic that was top of mind to all of us. Um, so could you just give us a brief overview of, of, of that? Absolutely. Um uh, again, like I said, my, my background is in business process engineering, and I've been doing it for, you know, more years than I care to mention. But um, the, the, the heart of any system, I mean, technology is always going to be changing. And you're always going to want to implement, like, the newer things. But at the end of the day, the, the technology doesn't work by itself. You need people. Right. like actually use those systems. Otherwise you like spent a lot of money for a Porsche that just sits nice, looks nice in your driveway, which <laughs> is never our goal with, you know, implementing these types of things. We want people to, you know, we want, we want more of a, a you know, a, a, a playground environment versus a museum environment when it comes to technology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we want people to get in there and like do stuff with it that's what's going to move the business forward. And that's basically what we're talking about is I, 
you know, developed over my over the years. Um, but the you know five principles that I feel like that that I'm hoping to go over in the in in my talk with you guys um, that hopefully help technology leaders. You know, while you're outlining a plan for your technology implementation, outline a plan for how your people are going to be supported in that implementation, and that yeah. often tends to be be a secondary consideration and I really my, my focus is to try and bring that to the forefront. Yeah, yeah. And what we'll do is, you know, we'll include the link to the presentation, um, you know, when we post this so that everybody has a chance mm -hmm. to see it. Um, you know, I just have to say, you know, one of the things, Gina, you're one of my favorite people to talk to because your, your energy, it's just so contagious. And contagious obviously has a terrible connotation post-March 2020, but I mean that in, in the most respect possible. Um, and, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess my question to you, and this is, um, you know, is this something that you actively work on? Are you, are you just a naturally positive person or is it something that takes skill and practice? You know, I think there's a, there was a time when I would have said, you know, either you're a positive person or you're a negative person. But I think that, um, you know, the last um, few years, one of the things that I've learned is um, with the, the growth of mindfulness, yeah. um, your your brain is a remarkable muscle. And yeah. it's like, you know, you know, if you've got like a bad golf swing, you don't like you, you have to consciously recognize that you are on a you have a. You have something to correct, and then you have to work to correct it, but it's sure. correct, right? Mm -hmm. And negative thoughts tend to be the same way. It's like it's an automatic, um, you know, myelin pathway that takes you to a negative space. And I've worked very, very hard to try and, you know, recognize and refocus because complaining about it isn't going to make anything better. you got to do something yeah. to be able to change it. And it is within our power to make changes, no matter how difficult the situation seems. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, and we've gone through some very difficult so situations. So, to answer your question, it's, it's, conscious, it's a conscious effort. It's a conscious effort every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and and speaking of that paradigm shift, I mean. You're, you're hired at Morehouse back, was it early in January 2021? 2021, yep. Okay. And literally, we all started remote. The, the, the college was shut down. So, um, we actually didn't come back to the office until, even part-time, until I think last June or July. So when I got here, it was remarkable. It was like there was, there was only five people before I got here, and we added seven the week I started, um, from then to now, we were at 35. So wow. it's been a tremendous growth here yeah. in the last year. And all of that has been remote, wow. you know, which I think really, you know, kind of informs. And I think a lot of businesses saw that. It's, it's like it kind of turns upside down the whole idea of what do you really need yeah. to do to get the job done and, and bring your organization forward. Does everybody need to be in this collective space? Well, at the same time, I got to tell you, I love coming back into the office because that's the only place where you actually get to like talk to people one-on-one -on -one and it's not just about business. 
because those personal connections, again, talking about paradigm shift, yep. are what helps you know who your champions are, who are the people that you need to like, you know, convert. What what's your what's your what's your um, biggest lift going to be on on bringing somebody on board? Because you won't know that from just seeing somebody on a Zoom call or something like that. So those and and, and there is a lot of things happening in in the space um, culturally that's trying to you know create more spaces for people who are remote to like, get to know each other and stuff. But it's still something that's evolving. You know, yeah, it's hard this is also new. Right. Yeah. yeah we're, so within sync, I, I think that we, um, you know, we've really struggled because, you know, I help run a sale, essentially a sales organization. Right. And, and, you know, even within yeah. sales, it's, it's, you feed off one another's energy so much. Um, and so it's just, it's something that just can't be replicated virtually, but you know, what was, what was it, what was it like building a team in that virtual environment? It was difficult. I'll be honest. It was really difficult. Um, it was, it was hard, especially like doing the, you know, you know, speaking of the paradigm shift, you know, yeah. um, a lot of the tools that I had used previously to try and get people on board on things, you know, just don't really work in a, in a, in a virtual environment, you know, lunch and learns are not the same. Anybody who does them will tell you it's not the same doing it on Zoom as it is when you're sitting around a table with people and you can, like, you know, have those side conversations and what are they talking about? What do you yeah. think of this? You know, yeah. um, when you don't have that and you have those moments of distraction, you can hear people on the keyboard doing other things. But, you know, it's just not, um, it's not the same. So we, we've had to, like, you know, change the way that we approached a lot of these things. And I'm still, trying to figure it out because a lot of us are still remote here. Yeah. So speaking of uh, your people, you know, what do you look for when you are hiring? So, you know, what are some of the key traits in in this team building aspect? Because, you know, in speaking with some of your peers, I feel like, you know, a common theme is the fact that a lot of what they've learned and, um, you know, been educated on doesn't necessarily translate um, in terms of, you know, that what what is required from you um, when you are dealing with you know the collaboration aspect and the team aspect? Um, so you know what are some of the key traits that you you look for when you're building that that team of you know from five to thirty five or whatever it was. You know we're um, what we've been looking for. I mean, being Morehouse, mm-hmm. um, the number one thing we look for is is somebody who's passionate about the cause. And again. I think that's with any business. It's, it's like you can hire people who are, you know, they might not know anything about your business, yeah. but if they're, 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 you know, passionate about what they do and they can bring that, they can show that they can bring that to the table, especially in an organization like ours, which is fundraising and donor engagement and stuff like that. You know, everything that we do from, you know, taking payments to answering phones to like writing proposals to, you know, even the stuff, you know, that my team does in terms of creating reports and and stuff. You've got to be, um, you've got to, you know, be able to see how, what your piece of it brings to the mission, you know, is what, 
for what I look for. Um, yeah. And 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 you know that's not everybody. Some people are you know you know they're, they're able to do. But the reason I say that is because um, when you're in an organization like ours, it, it sounds like 35 people with a lot of people, but it's like that's one person running Salesforce, one person running reporting, and one person taking. It's like there's one person doing like a job that anywhere else would be a team of people. And yeah. if you don't have that kind of passion, you can't get the things done that you need to do with as 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 small a staff as as you have. You know, right. um, you've got to have people who are willing to like pour everything that they've got into what they're doing, sure. and and feel good about it at the end of the day. Right. You know. You know, one of the key points that you that you mentioned um, during your presentation was, you know, be agile for efficiency and success. Um, you know, human nature is one where we feel comfortable with routine and, you know, that constant change is oftentimes uncomfortable. So, you know, how do you create a team environment where you stay agile, um, but you can keep that continuity within the team? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You, you, you've got. If you're in anything in technology, if you're going to adapt technology, the only constant with technology is change, yeah. right? I mean, there is literally <laughs> not anything else that you depend on that somebody's going to come out with a new patch. Your, your, you know, widget's going to be replaced by the next greatest thing. I mean, if you're not if, if you're adverse to change, technology is not a field for you, basically. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's not a good fit, is what I <laughs> But, um, but uh, you know, that being said, you know, there's an element of that to everything anymore. I mean, name a business that doesn't, isn't, you know, somehow run on some form of technology. I mean, sure. You know, nobody does payroll by hand anymore. You know, even that is something. You know, banking, everything is running on technology. So I think that as a as a society, we culturally, you know, had to have a you know a mindset shift that this is something we've got to get used to. You know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I actually um, I read an article that you wrote. It was back in March of 2020, um, and it was posted on your LinkedIn and. You seem to be really spot on just about some of your key points, um, you know, including just taking the time to kind of re-examine your business model and, you know, maximize efficiency and, and you know, transform with the times. Um, I did notice you were talking in, in months rather than years, but who would have thought back then? Uh, uh, but self-reflecting, you know, what are some of the most important lessons that, that you've learned in the last two years and change? Honestly. You know, again, and I come from a background of, um, you know, big, you know, when I started, the computers were big. It was, you know, kicks and IDMS on the, the big, you know, giant IBM 360s and stuff like that. That We were transitioning into this whole, um, you know, client server um, platform type of an environment. And so what I was 
so so I've learned that you need to always have, you know, disaster recovery. It's like worst case scenario, your business, you know, we lived, I was, I was working at National Council on Compensation Insurance and we were, um, you know, constant threat of hurricanes and stuff. And our data center was what ran workers' compensation ratings for the entire country. And so twice a year, we would shut everything down and we would, you know, take mag tape reels and boxes of, of, of stuff and we would, we would set up shop and transfer all the processing power to a, a location in New York, get all of the jobs running and everything on a new data center within six hours to demonstrate that we could recover from a catastrophic hit. And again, I was just a kid and it was my first experience learning this. And and the thing that it taught me was that you've got to always prepare for the unexpected. And so that January, March 2020, when everything shut down, was when I was trying to talk to people about, you know, hey, this isn't catastrophic if we plan for this. Here's how we can leverage all of these technologies to keep the business running. And some people were like, that's never going to happen. And some people were like, hey, you're right. And so that's what kind of prompted me to write that article. Because as we're, you know, again, bringing your people along, but when you're designing for the system, you know, when you're putting all of your items on your wish list of what you want it to do, you also have to, like, put a little sliver in there for how are we going to back it up if it doesn't work? What's our backup plan? Right. And and that's kind of where, you know, that, that, that whole pandemic brought me reeling back to, you know, my early days of, you know, you have, it, it was necessary back in those days. It's like there is there wasn't, you know, and Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure platform, you had to have physical machines to be able to do this stuff on-premise or at another location. You needed to, like, secure all of these resources. I think, to be honest with you, in today's day and age, it's so much less, um, it's so much cheaper to to be able to put disaster recovery plans and procedures in place than it was 30 years ago. It's just not something that people really put as a top of mind priority when they're they're developing their plans or and their strategies for doing implementations and technology transformations. And I think it needs to be. Um, and you know the pandemic was a perfect reason of why it needs to be. Because so many businesses that I worked with in that year, more than anything, just needed to know how to shift their entire staff from being in an office to working remotely. And that it was something that they'd never thought of before. And and I thought it was a great time to like bring that up as a as a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for sharing. You know, lastly, could you tell us just a little bit about Construction Check? Um, you're the chief product officer over there and and also co-founder on the technology side. So first off, with your day job at, at Morehouse, 
Do, do you get any sleep? Not a lot, to be honest with you. You know, sleep is highly overrated if you ask me. But you know, a lot of lot of nights, a lot of weekends um, um, that have gone into it um, in the past year, and we've actually, you know, when I started. Um, just shortly after work, working with them, just shortly after I started at Morehouse, as a matter of fact, um, it was kind of a glimmer in my partner's eye what this platform was going to be looking like. And in the last year, we have we have built a um, SaaS-based workflow pro, um, platform that allows our you know, architects, engineers, people on the pre-construction design side to be able to upload a set of blueprints and give us the details on what they're trying to build and what their budget is. And we can, within 24 hours, turn around with a price for that for every phase that they want an independent cost estimate for, from concept and schematic design all the way to bid proposal docs. And then once they get that, we've got the entire back end where it's kind of like Carfax for the construction industry. I mean, you wouldn't think about going to buy a, 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 a car, uh, a used car without getting a Carfax and making sure you knew exactly what was going on with it. And construction check is kind of the same thing for the construction industry. I mean, you spend six you know, anywhere from six to ten percent of your construction budget on these, you know, hundreds of pages of blueprints for your design. One percent, one to three percent of that six percent is all it would cost you to get a detailed estimate of exactly what it's going to take to build the structure that you've designed in that. And that is basically an accounting that kind of tells you, am I in budget or am I over budget? And if you do that as you're going through the design, you can make decisions about what you're going to build that help keep you within, within the framework of your budget. And at the bid proposal doc stage, what's really great about it is now, instead of putting those, doc, those drawings out for bid and coming back and looking at, well, you know, what did my friends say? Is this one guy better than that guy? Or, you know, oh, I should go with the lowest price because I need to keep in my budget. You can make quantitative and qualitative decisions about those bids that come in because you have an independent line item detailed estimate that you can compare those bids against to see, hey, does my HVAC really cost you know, how much did my independent cost estimate say it was going to be? Hey, why is yours more? Or where is, you know, this, you know, the, the, your, your, you know, fire protection in this bid? It's in my yeah. independent cost estimate. I'm not seeing it in your construction. So, because I mean, most people who are going to design a building, they don't know anything about what it takes to actually build it. They trust that to other people. But where's your, where's your basis? To know what exactly should be included, and we don't sell to the construction industry, to the, the contracting industry. We are completely pre-construction, and we're, we give you our estimate, and we're hands off, and we step that way. So, you know, literally, there's there's no skin in the game for us. For how cool! 
it, it's it's a great concept. I remember when I learned about it when I took my first job with Project Time and Cost. I'd never heard of it before. And I'm like, this is brilliant. Why why don't more people use this? You know. So then tell us where can we learn more about Construction Check? If you go to um, constructioncheck.io, um, there's all kinds of information there about the um, about our company. And you can schedule a demo of our product, which we are onboarding customers even as we speak. How exciting. You know, Gina, it does sound like you have a lot on your plate. So I'm going to let you go. Um, but I really appreciate you sitting down with me today. Um, as always, this has been such a wonderful conversation. And I look forward to seeing you at our, our next event, whether it's next year's Southeast Forum or uh, potentially convincing you to join us later this year for for one of our uh, one of our forums. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. It's always a pleasure. The dialogue continues at our signature events, which include our Midwest IT and Security Leaders Forum, being hosted in Chicago on September 11th through the 13th. Our Ontario IT and Security Leaders Forum, October 2nd through the 4th and our West IT and Security Leaders Forum hosted in Scottsdale this November 13th through the 15th and executive dinners all across the country. Please visit SyncUSA.com, that's S-I-N-C-U-S-A.com for the full event calendar to check out our Thought Leadership interview blog series and our full podcast season. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time for Sync the Conversation. Thank you.